The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. The following program is closed captioned for the thinking impaired. By tomorrow, I will rule the world! <laughs> you think he's gone? He's not gone! That's the whole point! He's never gone! Is this some radical new therapy? You see? <laughs> well, I must have never been paying attention. When you were just talking to me Do you think that you could repeat the question And I listen more attentively There must have been something In all of that nothing That wasn't quite so easy to see And I must have missed something When you were just talking Watch parties are going away, by the way. We spent all that time on watch parties last week. Oh, and they're taking them away? Yep. Facebook gave us a notification. Watch parties going away in 30 days. Oh. Yep. Thanks, Facebook. Nothing like trying to make things more difficult. Yep. All right. I got the watch party up. Might be our last one. Who knows? You were just swimming the door. Everybody. It's better if everybody does the bop up eyes. That's, that's the important part. Uh, you in the yellow car. I didn't hear you doing the ba-ba-ba's. I get a lot of people who download the audio and listen in their car. I get a lot of emails from people who say they were listening in their car. Good. You can download us on uh, Podbean, iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spreaker. And you should be subscribing to our YouTube channel, trying to get our subscriptions up yes, so we can monetize please. it and make money on it. Please share the show, too. If you're watching the show, please share it. We want as many people to see it as possible. Definitely. Hey, we've already got more, we've already got more viewers than Neil Perry had for his St. Patrick's Day thing. Oh. I, bounced, I bounced in yesterday to see that, and I was like, wow. Really? Amateurs. We're much more It was cute. It was cute, but... All right. Should we start the show? I don't even know we should do a show today. Should we just... I'll just say hi. Thanks for coming. And then I'll just roll the outro. I got stuff to do. <laughs> Neil Perry says it's time to go home. Okay. And then we just leave. All righty. Hi, how you guys doing? My name's Tom Duggan here at the Paying Attention Podcast. Hi, atop Two Guys Smoke Shop at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. I got a couple of issues I want to talk to you about today. Um... We had Carrie Wheeland here last week from House of Mercy. She's also working with the homeless in Methuen at the Days Inn. Now, it, to give you guys some background, because I want to talk about this a little bit more today, um, there are probably, and I'm just estimating, okay, so please save your email saying, what peer-reviewed study did you rely on for that statistic? Uh, side note, anybody who relies on a, anybody who, who needs a peer-reviewed study to tell them something that common sense should tell everybody else, you are, you are by definition what I call an overeducated idiot, okay? Oh. You're somebody that's, that spent so much time in college and so much time in school that they've drummed out your common sense, and you now need peer-reviewed studies to tell you. I get this on Facebook all the time. I'll say something like, um, yeah, but like two-thirds of people who do X, Y, and Z are from whatever. And they'll say, do you have a peer-reviewed study to show that? And Right away, I know I'm, I'm dealing with an overeducated idiot. It's like... Dude, I mean, it's like two-thirds of people who were over the age of 40 started drinking milk when they were a kid. Do you have a peer-reviewed study for that? No, but you know what? I, I, I'm over 40. I think I can do yeah. life experience. I, I can pretty much tell that. So I'm, I'm going to estimate that maybe in the Merrimack Valley, we've probably got about 300 people who are homeless. And that includes Lawrence, Methuen, Andover, North Andover. And I'm not including Haverhill because then the numbers will jump a lot higher. All right, but just for the Lawrence, Methuen, Andover, North Andover area, we've probably got about 300 homeless people. There are a number of nonprofits and Good Samaritans that go out and try to help 
the homeless. And by the way, it's a thankless job for a lot of these people. And I'm just going to say right out of the gate, I take no credit for anything. I am a little tired of people coming on my Facebook page saying, um, yeah, you only help the homeless because you like to brag about what you do so that so you can virtue signal. I make it very clear. I said it last week when Carrie was here and whenever we talk about the homeless. I take no credit whatsoever for any of this. What I basically do is try and help promote the people that are doing good work. All right. So, and a lot of people come on my page and thank me for helping the homeless. I really don't do a whole lot. I got to be honest with you. The people you need to be thanking are the people like Carrie Wheeland and uh, Karina Papalato and, uh, and uh, uh, um, Mr. Farah over at, uh, on Bay State Road and Mike Gorman from TMF and Sam Salib from TMF and Nancy Gorman from TMF. Those are the people that, we, that you, you should be thanking. And you shouldn't be thanking me, and I, and I don't take credit, and I don't want credit. My job is as a promoter. That's what I do. I'm a publisher. I do a podcast. I, I write books. I like to promote people that are doing good work. And so there are a number of people who are in this business, so to speak, who go out and try to help the homeless. And it's a thankless job for a number of reasons, one of which is the people that you're helping oftentimes don't want help. They want the temporary help. They're hungry. They want a sandwich. If you offer them, they'll take it. But a lot of them don't want the long-term help. A lot of them are on the streets, and they want to be on the streets because they're addicted, and they want their next fix. That's all they can think about. And it took us, I'm going to say it took us a good two years. We had a guy that we used to stand on Merrimack Street right at the end of the um, uh, 495 off-ramp on uh, Merrimack Street and Sutton Street uh, on the north end of the Lawrence Line. His name was Steve. He was a homeless veteran, and he used to stand out there with a sign every day that said homeless veteran. And I met him because when I first saw him, I first saw him, I'm driving, and I see him. I pulled over, and I get out of the car and said, you'd better be an effing veteran, or I'm going to take that sign, and I'm going to ram it up your ass. And he pulled out his DD-214s, made me feel about this big. He really, he really was a veteran. So myself, Randy Carter, and John Radke, God rest his soul, before he passed away, would go down there every, almost every single day for two years to try to convince this guy to get in our car, let us take you to Bedford, let's do an intake, let's get you some services, let's get you some housing. And for two years, the guy said no. He didn't want the help. And it was very discouraging. It was very frustrating because he was addicted to heroin. And when we would see him standing there with his sign, it was because he was trying to raise money because he needed his fix. So we realized, you know, you do this long enough, you, you realize certain things, that you, you, can't get, you, you can't get people into your car, you can't try to help them when they're jonesing. You right. got you to gotta wait till they're high or they're coming down from their high. Right. So we got smart. We started, like, you know, doing it, like, later in the day. We'd try and find him, like, in his tent. He had a tent on the banks of the Merrimack River underneath the Duck Bridge in Lawrence. And um, Randy and I went down one day to his tent, he had already gotten high. He was coming down from his high. And he, at that moment, decided, okay, yeah, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to get help. And Randy Carter, from, uh, formerly from Veterans Northeast Outreach, now he works with Clear Path and, um, and a couple of other organizations, uh, a hero veteran himself, Randy Carter, uh, put him in his car, drove him to Bedford. They did not like a 24-hour intake. They signed him up for a shit ton of benefits. They got him temporary housing, and they put him on the path to not being addicted anymore. From what I understand, and he's caused a lot, a lot of problems, but from what I understand, that was about three years ago. He's still clean. Now, oh, again, wow. again, still causing problems because a lot of these people who are homeless or addicted also have psychological problems. They also have uh, PTSD issues. They also have a lot of other psychological issues. But he's clean, and that's half the battle. Yep. Like, you can't work on your psycho. Think about, like, tomorrow you lose your house. Your wife leaves you, she takes the kids, you've got nowhere to go, you're homeless. And you're, you're homeless for a while. You, and, and, and if you have any kind of a psychological issue, it gets exacerbated when you're homeless, right? Yeah. If you've got depression, it gets multiplied when you're homeless. If you've got PTSD, it gets multiplied when you're homeless. Because now you're panicking about where your next meal is going to come from, where you're going to sleep, how you're going to put your life together. And so, it's, so it's a very, I, I'm saying this because it's a very thankless job for the people trying to help those who are on the streets. Yeah. It's a very difficult population to handle. And all this, I'm, I'm building up to something, so please just stay with me. Um, we had another guy who's, I won't, I won't say his name, 
who used to come to the TMF family dinner for the homeless on Wednesday nights. The, he seemed like the nicest, most mild-mannered guy you'd ever want to meet. He said he couldn't find work. Carrie and I started making phone calls. We actually got him a job. And after we got him the job, he came to us and said, I can't take it. And we were like, well, why? He said, because I'm a level three sex offender and the job that you gave me is construction, but it's at a school. Oh. So I'm looking at this guy going, I've, I've been talking to this guy for a year. He's a level three sex offender. Like you'd never, th- you would never think like just to talk to him that that was, that was the reason he's on the street. He got arrested for a level three sex offense. He went to prison. He got out of prison. Now, first of all, level three, I don't know why you're out of prison, right? Mm. If you're a level three, that usually means there's like a, a, a huge chance you're going to reoffend. And so now Carrie and I are looking at each other thinking like, why are we helping a level three sex offender try and get a job? And it starts to shake your whole worldview about what you're doing and why you're doing it. Because you want to help people. And then when you start to find out why some of the people are on the streets are on the streets, you might not want to help them. Right. And so I, I went through and I'm still, at least on this issue, still going through a moral conundrum about like, do you, re- do you refuse to help somebody who's on the streets because of the reason they're on the streets. And so what we decided was, at least what I decided was, and I think Carrie kind of agreed, was that when you're dealing with the homeless, you have to put aside the reason that they're on the streets if you're helping them fill basic needs. Right. right? Even a level three sex offender should, if he's not in prison, and he should be in prison, I don't understand why we even have a sex offender registry in the first place if they're that dangerous to put them on a registry and put signs up everywhere and put them on, on cable access to warn their neighbors. They're too dangerous to be on the flipping streets, but they are. And if they're going to be on the streets, somebody needs to do something to meet their basic needs, food, housing, and work. Because if you don't, there's a 100% chance they're going to reoffend. right? If you've got somebody who's an offender and everything in their life is going wrong, they've got nothing to lose, right? right? And you want to give these people something to lose. You want to give them a reason not to reoffend. They're out there. There are millions of people walking the streets today who are sex offenders who should be in jail but aren't. They still have to function. And so I'm bringing all this up because it's very difficult for the people who are helping the homeless to help the homeless, And it doesn't make it any easier when you're fighting against your local politicians. Now, I want to talk today about how Methuen's getting it right, kind of, and Lawrence completely has it wrong. And there's going to be a change in leadership in Lawrence because Lawrence Mandan Rivera has resigned. By the way, as a side note, another reason to be against term limits. Lawrence has never had a mayor fulfill both terms. Since 1986, when the charter changed in Lawrence, to make the Lawrence mayor a four-year term, no two-term mayor has ever finished out his term. Kevin Sullivan was the first. He left. Mike Sullivan. Oh, wait. I, I, I think Mike Sullivan was. His, uh, Kevin Sullivan left early. Patty Dowling left early. Uh, I think uh, Mary Claire Kennedy left early. Um, Willie didn't get a second one. But I think Mike Sullivan did. So maybe So one out of four okay. did. All right. But I think Lawrence has it wrong and Methuen has it right. And I thought we'd talk a little bit about that today. I know there's a lot of people on my page who want to help the homeless. And I get inundated sometimes. I get overwhelmed because someone will call and say, hey, I just cleaned out. You know, my, my husband died five years ago and I finally cleaned out his closet. I got a bunch of clothes to give you. But they want to get rid of it like yesterday. And I've got an entire room in my office that is completely filled with clothes that people drop off at my office for the homeless. My car is also filled with sterno cans and care packages and food and clothes for the homeless. So I've got no room sometimes. So sometimes I have to put people off. Right. This very nice lady from uh, Mike's Market on Waverly Road in North End of a Debbie who works there um, reached out to me three weeks ago and said, I've got a bunch of clothes for you. And I kept having to put her off and kept having to put her off because I just didn't have the room. Right. Um, I'm bringing all this up because what has happened is that in in Methuen, the state has decided in the for the winter time that they were going to put the homeless up in a hotel in Methuen on Pelham Street the Days Inn. Now the Days Inn has been a mo- has been a hotel slash motel for a long time, and it's been a problem 
from a fill-in for a long time because of the because it's a motel and it's cheap. And what do you get at a cheap motel? You get people who are low income who cause problems, right? Right. So it's it's always it's always been a problem to begin with, and the state decided to give a grant to the people who own the hotel to put up. And I don't know how many I'm going to guess. I know Carrie said it last week, but it didn't stick in my head. There's at least 100, maybe 50 to 100 people who are homeless in that hotel. They're not all, by the way, from Lawrence. They're not all from the Merrimack Valley. Some of them are coming in from other places, but it's a small percentage. And it has caused a lot of problems in Methuen. And so what we have in, what we have in Methuen is what we didn't have in Lawrence. In Lawrence, they just shut everything down. In Lawrence, Mayor Dan Rivera went over to the bus stop and told TMF, we couldn't, we couldn't feed the homeless there anymore. Um, some homeless people were sleeping at the bus stop seven days a week. We would show up on a Wednesday, clean the whole place. And when I say we, I really mean TMF. Again, it's not me. Um, I, I consider myself part of TMF because I help promote them. Um, but they would, they would show up. The kids would show up. They would clean the bus stop. They would serve the homeless. And when it was done, it was cleaner than when they started. And the mayor was getting complaints about the people that were sleeping there seven days a week and decided to just throw everybody out. As soon as the mayor's office becomes aware that there's a tent city somewhere within the city of Lawrence, they send DPW over with backhoes. They, they, they flatten the tents. They take all the stuff. They throw everybody out. And what that does is it only moves the problem. These people are still homeless after you bulldoze their tents, after you take what, what few possessions that they have and you take that away from them. It's not like they're going to just like move into a condo tomorrow. They, there's, there's someplace else that they have to go, so they go somewhere else, usually within Lawrence. So the state decided to set up for the winter at the Days Inn a place that the homeless could go. Now, they have rules. They have to be in by 7 o'clock. There's no drugs or they get thrown out. Our good friend Ralph um, that we feed, who's usually holding a sign on Water Street uh, on the north side of the Falls Bridge, was there for a week. He got thrown out. He's very bummed out that he missed he missed um, curfew two nights in a row, and so they, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't let him back in. So there are rules. It's not like it's a free-for-all over there. But the neighbors are very upset. Just like in Lawrence, the neighbors were very upset when homeless people were at the garage or when homeless people were setting up a tent city somewhere in their neighborhood or somewhere near their neighborhood. And it's understandable. We've got two competing things going on here. We've got a a population that needs help, some of whom don't want help, but they still need the help because they're causing problems for other people. You've also got a group of people in the community who want to help them. But again, they're a very tough population to help because whatever it is that you do to help them, A, it usually comes back on you, right? Like I've taken three homeless people in and let them live with me and I've regretted all three all three times. One girl tried to sue me. Another guy ripped me off about $3,000. Another guy just cleaned out every valuable that I had in the entire house. Um, and, and so now I'm gun shy about, I've got an empty room. It's been sitting empty now for a year. And I see these people on the, on the streets and I feel bad and I think, geez, you know, the guy's sleeping on the streets. I've got a, I've got a warm room. I'd love to give it to him. But at what cost? Right. Right? So in the community, there are, enough, there are a lot of people who want to help, and they either don't know how to help because they're not networked with any groups like TMF or anything else, or, or they are networked with people, but they're doing it at a personal sacrifice. So all of these now homeless people who were walking the streets of Lawrence are now in Methuen. And they're at the Days Inn. And, and some of them are causing problems in the neighborhood. They're knocking on people's car doors asking for money, right? They're looking in people's living room windows to see what kind of valuables might be in there. Some of them. A lot of the... By the way, please don't send me any emails saying that I'm generalizing because I am generalizing. We have to generalize if we're going to talk about a topic that this, that's this big, which is why I keep trying to break it down a little bit. It's not everybody, so please don't send me the emails. So the complaints are coming into the city. When we had Neil Perry here, the mayor of Methuen, he was very, very angry that nobody tipped him off that, that the homeless were coming. And I said it last week, and I said it when he was here. I don't know why they need to tell you anything. You run city government. You don't run the city. And then I watched the city council meeting this week. The Methuen City Council held, had a, uh, a meeting, and the topic came up. Now, the first... The first um, four or five people that did public participation 
were uh, either homeless themselves or they were connected to what's going on at the Days Inn, including the owners of the Days Inn also called in. I, I don't know why they're not doing their meetings via Zoom. Actually, I do. They should be doing all their meetings in Methuen in person. It would have been nice to see these people get up to a microphone and see what they look like. But they called in. They spoke about the issue. They defended what they were doing there. Um, every person who spoke, including elected officials, said the Eagle Tribune got the story wrong, which makes me laugh every time I hear it. Makes me laugh every time I hear it. Because, again, I'm the bad guy, right? I'm the, guy, I'm the antichrist of the – according to the Methuen City Council, I'm the anti and the mayor. I'm the antichrist. I'm the bad guy, right? I'm the guy that causes problems. And yet at every meeting they sit there and they talk about how the Eagle Tribune got something wrong. Every meeting now. The people that called in, the, a couple of homeless people called in who said, I'm not a drug addict. Uh, we're here because our house was burned down and we're homeless. And the people that are here were nice enough to put us up. Please don't lump us in with everybody. And by the way, the Tribune got the story wrong. And everybody called and said the Tribune got the story wrong. Um, When public participation was over, the mayor, uh, let's start with Mayor Perry, did address the issue. It's only about a minute long. I want to play this for you, and then we'll talk about it afterwards. Earlier, we heard from a lot of people in the days in and following up from the councils who requested action. We did follow up some action. Um, we did send the health department out there, despite what the Tribune article said, there were some inaccuracies in that. So we sent the health department out there, and they uh, noted no code violations. However, it's important to understand that in 2020 alone, the incident reports from the police department went up 40% to 159 Pelham Street. That's factual. I will give you all the report with the incidents and what happened, etc., um, and I just got that just before I came in the meeting. So the increase of 40% within the 2020 rate is going to top that. Um, so, um, you know, based upon the feedback at the council meeting when folks said, um, you know, some issues, um, did not cite any code violations, but uh, it's, and I just got an email from the state for that public hearing that we had. The reason I was late to the public hearing was responding to the state reached out on days in as well. And the feedback I gave them is the same thing I'm giving you. A 40% increase in the number of incidents, and we're asking through fire to do the same thing. And uh, an even greater increase in 2021. We will share that data with the owners of the hotel who were on here in public participation, and we will share it with the people who run the program. This is not about categorizing people as good or bad, uh, but in these fiscally difficult times, it's important that... Um, the costs are being borne by the city, right? So that's an important uh, separation to make. So at, at, at first when he said it, when he was here a month ago and he said that he was very upset, it might, might have been a little longer than a month ago. My times are always off because I don't sleep. My days run into each other. But when, when, when Neil was here about a month ago or so and he said he was very upset that nobody notified him that, that they were going to be putting all these homeless people there, I took the opposite position and I said, you know, again – you run the city government. You don't run the city. They have no obligation to tell. They, I mean, by courtesy, they probably should have called you. And Carrie admitted that when she was here. She apologized for not calling the mayor and reaching out. Um, and I thought it was kind of an ego thing. Because I think a lot of people in this business, in that business, um, in politics, especially local politics, have huge egos. And I'm not saying that's not the case here. It actually is. But that's not the reason why he was saying what he was saying. Um, he was looking at it from a financial point of view. And when he said it, and he said that, you know, we're going to bear the burden with police calls and stuff. I, I didn't take that seriously because I'm thinking, yes, this is a tough population. Yes, we know what the problems are that come along with this population. But they're in a hotel now. Like, they can't use drugs. If there's any drugs in the hotel, they throw them out. They've got to be in by seven. They're not causing problems. They're going to be okay. It's going to be good. And I was wrong because... And, and unlike other people, when I'm wrong, I actually say I'm wrong. Unlike other people, when I'm wrong, I apologize for being wrong. There right. are certain people who are wrong and will never apologize because, you know, because I'm Irish. I'm Irish. I don't know what that's supposed to mean. <laughs> um, I'm Irish, too, and I apologize when I'm wrong. Um, I, ha- I had it wrong because 40% increase in calls from the police department in a city like Methuen is huge. That's huge. Because Methuen is in the shape of a butterfly. Think of like a butterfly, right? And if you've got guys in the West End on, the, on, on this side that are tied up with an accident, maybe you got a three-car accident and it's a bunch of people hurt, 
and a call comes in for the days in, and you've got to pull somebody from Central or East Methuen to get there, you're now doing two things that are bad. You're saturating all your police in one section of the city when the other section of the city is, is now completely unprotected, and you've got your police officers now having to deal with an issue that had all these homeless people put somewhere else wouldn't be there, right? 40% is huge. When the fire chief got up, I don't have that clip, but when the fire chief got up shortly after that, he said the same thing. He said it's about 40, 45% increase in calls because they run the ambulance system. So you've got a lot of people that maybe they overdose, they shoot up, then they go to the hotel, they collapse when they get there, somebody calls the ambulance, the ambulance has to respond. Um, or somebody has a, a medical issue or something else, right? But I'll say this. I think Mayor Perry cares about the homeless. I really do. And he, I don't think when I heard him say, well, we had, the, we had the health department go down there and look for violations. If it was anybody else, my first thought would have been, yeah, you're just looking for an excuse to shut them down because you don't want them there, right. right? But I don't think that's the case here. I think, I think Mayor Perry legitimately cares about the homeless. And I say that because after he got elected, not, not, when he, not when he was looking for votes, but after he got elected, he came down to TMF Family Dinner for the Homeless in Lawrence, where he can get no votes. And he spent at least two nights that I can remember, maybe more, handing out food and feeding the homeless. So I know that this is not lip service from the mayor. If I didn't know him, I would be suspicious that that's what this was. But I know him, and I don't think that's the case. Um, I, think he, I think he and I think some of the counselors that spoke, we're going to play two more clips, uh, do really legitimately, unlike the, the people in Lawrence, the elected officials in Lawrence, they do legitimately care about trying to help solve the problem of homelessness. Now, we're never going to completely solve that problem, right? But there's got to be a way, and this is why I'm bringing this up today, there's got to be a way that we can help the homeless without suffering all of, the, all of the unintended consequences of helping the homeless, such as, as we talked about, people knocking on windows, looking for money, people breaking into things. I'm not sure what the answer to that is. I'm not smart enough to know what the answer to that is. I don't pretend to be smart enough to know what the answer to that is. I think, though, that the people of Methuen and the councils in Methuen and the mayor of Methuen are at least on the right track. I think they're at least, they didn't do what Lawrence did. They didn't say, you know what, shut them down. Let's find an excuse, shut them down. Right. Lawrence did that. And when Lawrence did that, brakes went up, house brakes went up, car brakes went up in the neighborhoods where they are. Just a fact. Even though crime overall in Lawrence has gone down, that's our front page story, so save your emails. Oh, you said in your front page crime is going down in Lawrence. How can you say it? Went? For those categories of crimes in those neighborhoods, it did go up once. You, you can just look at the dates that certain homeless areas were shut down in Lawrence and then look at the crime numbers for certain types of crimes the next like four or five days. It's very obvious what's going on. I think in Methuen, they, they're at least on the right track. I don't think they have the solution yet. I don't think anybody has a solution yet. But they're not talking about shutting it down. They're actually, well, let's play the next clip. I think the next one is um, Lawrence police officer, hero police officer Mike Samad talking about uh, this issue. Let's listen to what he has to say. I just want to touch a little bit on the days in. Um, I know some of the people who spoke tonight are benefiting financially, so what else are they going to say? It's not peachy keen there. Um, there's a lot of quality of life issues associated with um, the days in right now. In fact, my council office is at Duncan Donuts on Pelham Street, where I hold office quite frequently, and, and I feel a lot of complaints. A lot of it's quality of life issues. I know that they're probably thinking, well, it's not our fault. Once they leave the, 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 the facility, um, we can't control what they do, but that's what I think a lot of the problems are. People knocking on windows, asking for money, um, you know, stuff like that. People in the West End not used to that. So, and as far as I think one of the principal owners spoke about how Noah's reached out to him. Well, I've been there several times. I've been there with the police department. I've been there with the health department. And I've been there by myself. And I've left my car, and I've never gotten a call back. So um, I, don't, I don't know um, which owner, um, you know, that uh, when, when I went there, I never was able to meet a principal owner there. So my card, my card is there. Um, I'm, I'm online if they're listening. They can call me. I wouldn't mind going there and, um, you know, being kind of a liaison. And I'm sure Councilor Safi would probably be on board too since our district. But, you know, as long as we have an open line of communication where 
um, we're addressing these issues because a 40% increase in cost for services is a huge um, burden on our police department, especially when we're shorthanded right now on the street. So there is there are issues. And, and however, as far as the shelter goes, I can't think of a better reason to have a shelter like this run by the state for people that are homeless, especially from fire. So it's a good thing. But unfortunately, you're going to get some quality of life issues, and that's what we're dealing with the most. So, just, we talk just you know, I heard from um, the state office of housing and urban development. So, uh, I'm anticipating a meeting with them, and I will reach out to you, Councilor Sapi, and any other council who's interested in joining, so that you can uh, participate and hear the discussion firsthand for yourselves. Um, uh, because my note to her tonight said, uh, I, I'm all, I'm all for helping the homeless. Right, I'm all for helping anybody for any reason, and this is not direct. But um, you know, as the mayor, I have an obligation to protect the taxpayers, and a 40% increase in calls is is costing more money, right? And more on top of that, in 2021, that's costing more money. So um, it's not going without some impact on the community. And so, um, you know, I've talked to them in the past, much as you have, and we will set up an additional conversation with them and. Yeah, I agree, man. That's how uh, us counselors feel. I'm sure also that we're all ready to help, but there's going to be a cost two days in besides um, the cost that they incur there because there are issues and, and it's costing us money. So I'll try to reach out to the owners again. I'll try to set up that line, open line of communication, and then report back to you on it. But appreciate that. As long as we have that. Thank you. Now, Counsel Samad is also someone that has helped the homeless in Lawrence. He's a Lawrence police officer. As much as we may not get along right now, um, you know, I try to put that aside and just call it like it is. Mike Samad's been to TMF Family Dinner for the Homeless to help. I can't, I can't even like count how many times, like at least three dozen times that I can count in the last three years. Even when we were at the bus stop, he would come by just to make sure that there were no problems. Again, when you're dealing with the homeless population, you're dealing with a lot of people who have just recently gotten out of jail. And some of them are criminals. And he has always come by, not recently, because he's mad at me, so I think he's taking it out on me. He's not showing up. Um, and that's fine. But he, he has always been someone who has had a soft spot for the homeless, regardless of why they're homeless. And he said something in there that this is the reason I wanted to play that clip. He said, it's not a bad thing that what we're doing. In Lawrence, they basically said, no, what's going on here is bad, right? In Methuen, they said, no. Even, even guys like Mike Samad said, no, what's going on here is a good thing. We just kind of have to find a way to work around this. Right. I have a lot of admiration for people, anybody, whether, I'm, whether we get along or not. I have a lot of admiration for people who see a problem and don't just say, okay, shut it down. Okay, just forget it. And, and instead say, let's, find, let's see if we can find a way to work around. Let's find a way to service these people without the problems. I think there's a couple of things that can be done. I think if the, if the city of Methuen worked with Senator DiZoglio and State Representative Linda Campbell and State Representative Lin, uh, uh, Minicucci to see if maybe they can put something in the state budget so that when they give a grant to a hotel or motel to, to service the homeless in the winter like they did this year, that maybe they put aside forty dollars or $50,000 for that community to pay for public service calls that go to that institution. So in other words, when they gave whatever the grant was that they gave to the days in to pay for the rooms that these people are going to be staying in for the winter, they're going to be there till April. How about throwing another forty, fifty thousand dollars or whatever the cost is going to be to the municipality to say, here, this is to reimburse you for your police and your fire calls that are going to go to this place. I think people like Mike Samad and people like Mayor Perry, who do care about the homeless, who, and, and Jessica Finicaro, who's done yeoman's, yeoman's work with the homeless. I mean, she's done some incredible things that I'd love to have her come on the show someday and talk about. Um, it, it gives people like that an out. It gives them an opportunity to say to their constituents, hey, look, you know, we understand that there's a problem here. We're doing what we can. We're trying to navigate around. And we got some additional money for the police. I think another thing that can be done, too, is, and I've been saying this, for years, I said it when Neil was here. I said it last week when Carrie was here. Nobody, nobody wants to take this idea up because of what's happening at the Days Inn. What's happening at the Days Inn is killing the prospect 
of having every community have a homeless shelter. I firmly believe every, look, every community has a senior center. Almost every community has a senior center. Most communities have a youth center. But almost no communities have a homeless center. And it would be great if we, there was a homeless center. And I, I bring this example up all the time. I'm going to do it again today. Let's say you live in Methuen or North Andover. Let's say, you, let's say you've lived in North Andover on Bear Hill Road where all the million-dollar homes are. Let's say you've lived in North Andover on Bear Hill Road for 20 years. You've got a million-and-a-half-dollar house, and your company goes bankrupt. And then your wife says, hey, look, I'm out. And she takes the kids and she leaves. And now you can't make your mortgage, and suddenly you're on the streets. Is there anywhere in North Andover you can go to get services? The answer is no. The answer is you've paid hundreds of thousands of dollars in taxes on your million-dollar home for years and years and years and years. And now that you need services, your town that you paid into for years and years and you've invested in for years and years has nothing for you. So where are you going to go? You're going to go to Lawrence because the perception is that's where the services are. Newsflash, not so much. There is not as many services as you think. You can go to House of Mercy and get a shower and get a haircut. You can go to um, Cor Unum and get a meal twice a day. But where are you going to go to get transitional housing? Where are you going to go to repair your credit? Where are you going to go to try and find a job? How are you going to shower for your next job interview? How are you going to put a resume together for your next job interview? How are you going to get uh, uh, underarm? I always call it underarm, but what is it? deodorant. How are you going to get deodorant um, so that you don't smell when you go for your next interview? It, it, the, the problems, once you become homeless, once you're there, the problems become so insurmountable that the majority of the people that become homeless end up homeless forever because they just don't know how to get out. And most people that are homeless, and I know because I've been homeless, and that's one of the reasons why I do what I do, because when I was homeless, nobody helped me, nobody. I had to do it myself. Um, you, you, you sit on the streets trying to think of a way that you can get back into society, but you owe $1,000 to the electric company from the last apartment that you had that you couldn't pay for, which is why you became homeless. You owe $1,000 to the phone company. You owe $1,000 to the gas company. Your credit is shit. How do you get an apartment? How do you turn on utilities? How do you do that? There's got to be a way each community can put a center together, and not where the days in is, because that's in West Methuen where all the nice homes are. Maybe somewhere else. Maybe there's, there's got to be some kind of a industrial zone somewhere in Methuen where they could put a homeless center somewhere in North Andover in the industrial zone where they can put a home, maybe at the airport, where they can put a homeless center where people can go and they can write a job resume, where they can go and they can, they can take a shower, where they can go and network with uh, maybe Valley Works, Merrimack Valley Valley Works, which helps people get jobs, right? Helps them with their resumes, help them with certain things. There's got to be, with all the billions of dollars that we pay to the government, there's got to be a way that we can set up a system where people can get transitional housing, where we can get them into a home or get them into a, a place, a rooming house anywhere, where the utilities don't have to be in their name, where it's included in the rent, right? So that they can, and by the way, it should also have financial counseling, one of the things that Carrie and Roger over at House of Mercy have done, which, again, every time I go there, something else blows my mind, is that they will sit. And so, by the way, does Karina Papalato at Daybreak. They do financial counseling for some people if they think that the person is really ready to, to better their lives and they're on the right track and they're getting clean and, and try and teach them how to like put money aside and go over, like, what are your past bills? What do you owe the electric company? What do you owe the gas company? Let's try and find a way to get those down so that we can maybe if we can get you into transitional housing for a year or two. You can pay those down. We can get you into a regular apartment. But these are all people that are just doing it on their own. Carrie does this on her own, right? She doesn't get paid for any of this. Roger actually takes money out of his own pocket to do this. Roger Farah, for all of the elected officials who hate Roger Farah in the Merrimack Valley, because they consider him a slumlord. That guy takes so much money out of his pocket to help people that are, that are unfortunate. I, I, I can't understand why people don't overlook the fact 
that yes, he owns some properties in Lawrence that are dilapidated, given the fact that one of the reasons that they're dilapidated is because he purposely rents to people that are downtrodden, that are people that really need help. And so he's not making the kind of money that he should be making on those properties, that other people would be making on those properties, that they would then be able to use that money to fix it up and make it look a little better, right? So here's a guy that he's taking a hit on his rents because he's renting to people that are poor and help, trying to help them out. But the government should be doing this. Like we spend our money on the government for this purpose. We, we pay taxes for this purpose. We pay taxes to pave roads, to pay for police, to pay for fire. But also, how about to help the American citizen who becomes homeless, who paid into the system his entire life? There's no money for him. There's money for illegal aliens, which is, how, which is what we're going to transition into the next uh, topic in a minute. I got one more clip, though. But there doesn't seem to be any money for Americans who become homeless, veterans who become homeless. And it just seems to me that this is a problem, obviously, that's too big for me to figure out. I'm only one guy. Or for the Carrie or for Karina or anybody else to figure out. But if there was a group of people who were really interested, group of elected officials that were really interested in trying to solve the problem. And again, you're not going to solve the whole problem, but at least solve... Is my thing going down? Or are you pulling me down? All right. Um, but there's got to be a way that, that, that our elected officials can get together and find a way to fill the gaps for the people that, have, that, that find themselves, especially after the Columbia gas situation, especially after COVID, can't we find a way in every community to get a homeless center? It shouldn't be that hard, especially when you consider we're sending millions, if not billions of dollars to Pakistan and Egypt and Jordan and, and, um, and, and Ukraine and Poland and every other country in the world, South Africa, Yemen. That money should be going to us. That money should be going to American citizens that need help. And there's nobody that needs more help right now than the elderly and the homeless. Those are the people, those are the two categories of people that need the most help. And they're not getting it. They're not getting it because we're sending millions of dollars to other countries and we're allowing every every person in the world that wants to come here in violation of our laws, our immigration laws, to not only come here, but when they get here, we give them benefits. Citizens of other governments that other governments are responsible for taking care of, we're spending American tax dollars on them, while American homeless people are sitting at the day's end causing problems for other people because there is no plan, not at the local level, not at the state level, not at the national level, to try and find a way to transition people from homelessness to back to the real world. I was watching the city council meeting in Methuen. I heard what Neil Perry said. I heard what Mike Samad said. Both of what they said was music to my ears because they were looking at ways to not shut it down but to fix the problem. And then DJ Beauregard spoke up. I was a little unnerved by what he said at first, but he's not wrong. Thank you, Ron. Mayor, I appreciate the update. I want to reiterate what you and Councilor Samar just said and share my opinion, not about the shelter necessarily, they provide an important service, uh, but about the Days Inn itself. Uh, the Days Inn is a third-rate hellhole. It's a total disaster. Uh, the hotel has been a hotbed for criminal activity for at least a decade. They've had major code violations on and off in the past, and taxpayer dollars have gone down the drain by responding to the constant problems there. I want the owners of the Days Inn, who were here earlier tonight, to know that they should probably incorporate not being a dump and a drag on the taxpayers in Methuen in the strategic plan for their business. Thank you. Wow. Yeah, wow, right? I mean, first of all, I was very unnerved by what he said because my first thought was these are people that are trying to do good things. Yeah. But he's not wrong. He's not wrong. And... As much as I'd probably like for Dave to not be as bombastic as he tends to be, I think a lot of it is grandstanding. But again, he's not wrong. And if the people at the days, and, and by the way, this could start a good discussion in the community, not just here. But this, this could start a good co a discussion in the community about what we can do for transitions for people that are homeless. Maybe if the people at the days in took some of the money 
that they're making, and, and Mike Samad said it when he spoke. He said, um, it was a cheap shot, but he's, not, again, not wrong. I just don't understand why people need to take cheap, cheap shots at the table, but that's just me. Um, but he said, you know, of course they're going to defend what they're doing over there. Mike Samad said, they're making money. There's a profit margin here. And he's right. So my suggestion is, as somebody who wants to help solve this problem, or at least wants to see a problem be solved by other people, Maybe what the state could do is start working with some of these hotels and motels that are dumps, that, are, that do look like third world hell holes, give them a little bit more money, and start using some of these hotels as permanent transitional housing with the caveat that if, the state, if we the state give you the days in or other places like the days in, this money will give you some extra money too. You've got to use some of it to fix it up and pay for security, or maybe how about... We'll, we'll do like a matching grant with the city. We'll can kick an X number of dollars to have a police officer on the scene there on property 24-7. So you're not pulling a cop from a call when something happens at that place, right? And then maybe we can start having a discussion about the motels in Lawrence, the motels in Tewksbury, the motels, there's a couple of motels in North Andover about maybe using some of these motels that could certainly use the business, right? Because all the hotels are hurting thanks to COVID. Yeah. They could use the business. The state could pay them to house homeless people and maybe start a transition program where, you know, you've got requirements. They have to get a job. They have to start putting money aside so they can pay off their, their former utility bills and start working with the hotels to have maybe a liaison in the hotel to find those people who are homeless that want to be helped. Like I said, at least a, th- a third to a half of the people on the, on the streets don't want help. They just want their next fix. But there's also a, a lot of people who are either addicted or just not addicted who want the help. They want transitional housing. They want to get back on their feet. They want to have an apartment. They want to be able to pay their own utility bills and have a job and pay taxes. They, there's a lot of homeless people that want that. And so... We, the state government, we city governments in, in the Merrimack Valley ought to be able to find a way to make that happen. The only reason it's not getting done is because nobody's talking about it. And so I applaud all of the city councils that spoke on this issue Monday night in Methuen. I applaud uh, Methuen Mayor Neil Perry for, A, caring about the, a population that most people don't give a shit about. Um, Siri thought I was talking to her. Um, but also be seeing a huge problem and not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. It would be very easy for Ali Safi, who represents the West District, and Mike Samad, who represents the West District, and the mayor, who lives in the West District, where this is, it would be very easy for them to make the neighbors happy and find a reason to shut this place down. Nothing would make the people who live on Pelham Street happier than to shut this thing down. It's causing problems. But they're not doing that. They very easily could have grandstanded and said, that's it, we're done, this is a problem, we're going to make it, and it's an election year, they would benefit, they would benefit election-wise if they just said, no, screw this. And so I want to applaud them, and I want to reach out to the Lawrence City Councilors and those running for Lawrence City Council to see what Methuen is doing. Watch what Methuen is doing. Pay attention to the communities outside of yours. People in Lawrence and Methuen have a bunker mentality. They don't look at anything that's going on in any other community. They all, they're all so arrogant that they all think that the problems in their community are so unique, and they're not. Every community is going through the same kind of stuff. And if you look at the other communities and see what they're doing, sometimes you get a good idea. And so for Brian DePina and Dave Abdu and uh, Michael Plant and all of the councilors in Lawrence, all the people running for office in Lawrence, Pay very close attention to how Methuen handles this problem because they very, they, I, it seems to me that they're on the cusp of actually making a difference. Not just a short term difference where you're housing people sh- for the winter and then, you know, when April comes, they're all going to get thrown back, thrown back out on this, onto the street. I, th- I think a good conversation could be had here. The people who are on the streets, I want to go back to, are American citizens. And it is infuriating to me watching what's going on on the border right now, especially as somebody who's out on the streets every day. I used to go live every day when we go out and feed the homeless. And um, 
city city workers, for lack of a better phrase, in Lawrence were jumping on my feed to see where the homeless were so that they could call the mayor's office and say, hey, we know where they are now, and then within a couple of days, they'd be bulldozing those tents. So we stopped going live because the people that are there, you bulldo- again, you bulldoze their tents, they're just going to move somewhere else, it's going to cause problems. Um, I'm watching what's happening at the border. There are thousands and thousands of people now coming across the border. When Donald Trump was president, you put on CNN every day, and it was Donald Trump is putting kids in cages. He's evil. He's, he's ripping children from the arms of their, of their parents. Well, we knew that that was a lie then, and we know that it's a lie now. Because Joe Biden is putting kids in cages, and CNN's not categorizing it as Joe Biden putting kids in cages anymore, though. Even though they're the exact same cages and the exact same facilities that existed six months ago when Donald Trump was president. The current administration, the Biden administration, the current Congress and Senate are hell-bent on opening our borders. And please save your emails, because I will not read them. Please don't tell me. Tennis Lilly does this all the time, my favorite communist friend. I have a friend who's a communist. He denies he's a communist, but he is. Um, always says, no, 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 I'm not for open borders. I'm not for, we're not for open borders. Well, what they did was, whenever you hear a liberal say that, whenever you hear a Democrat say, no, I'm not for open borders, ask them a few questions. Ask them, should we have a wall at the border? Should we deport people that we find that are here illegally? And they're going to say, no wall at the border, and no, don't deport people. And by the way, we should give illegal aliens welfare, free housing, free health care, free education, um, free welfare, and free everything else. But I'm not for open borders. They are for open borders. And because they're for open borders, people from third world hellholes, not to steal DJ Borgard's phrase, um, like El Salvador, places that are riddled with crime, places that are riddled with drugs, Many places that are literally run by drug cartels. There are entire cities, there are entire nations in Central and South America that are literally run by the drug cartels. Those people are all now surging to the border because they heard Joe Biden say, come on down. Right? And now we're going to spend an enormous amount of our tax money on people who shouldn't be here. Now, look. I'm all for immigration. I'm all for legal immigration. I actually think we should make it easier for people to come here legally. I'm also in favor of increasing the number of people that we allow to come here legally. But let's make no mistake about it. Only the, United, only the citizens of the United States should have a say as to who comes here and what condition they come here under. Only the citizens of the United States should have a say as to who stays and who goes if we find that you're here illegally. Not the nation of Mexico, not the elected officials of Mexico, not the elected officials of El Salvador or Brazil or San Salvador or Colombia. Only us. Just like only you should have a say as to who comes into your home. Right? Somebody just walks into your house and starts eating dinner off your plate, you're going to call the police, you're going to have them arrested and taken out for, for trespassing. It's the same concept. Again, make it easier and streamline people who have been waiting for 10 years to come here. Make it easier for them to come. And by the way, since the Democrat Party cares so much about diversity, I always say steer into the skid. They say they care about diversity. Let's hold them to their own standard. How about for every Latino we let in, we let in a black guy. And for every black guy we let in, we let in a white guy. And for every white guy we let in, we let in an Asian guy. If the Democrat Party is going to do everything based on race and under the guise of diversity, why are we letting 90% of the people come here not be diverse? doesn't seem very diverse to me when 90% of the people who are coming here are of one particular ethnicity or another. But if we're going to have a sane immigration policy, we need to have closed borders, especially if we're going to be a welfare society. We're, we're careening very close to being a welfare society. Which, by the way, I used to be really against. Now I'm really not too sure I'm against that anymore after COVID. After watching our elected officials give money to other countries and then say, screw you on $600 payments 
after watching the Republicans vote to give billions of dollars to Jordan and Egypt and other countries and then say, no, 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 we're voting against a $2,000 stipend for people that were affected by COVID. I'm now starting to lean more toward what the Democrats have been saying for years. I really think if you do the math, that we could survive in this country individually. We could survive in this country not paying any taxes. This country makes so much money on tariffs and trade deals with other countries, selling our goods to other countries. We shouldn't be taxing anybody in this country. And we shouldn't be sending money to any other country. We should be able to live tax-free in the most wealthy country in the history of humanity. We should be able to live tax-free and be able to take care of the homeless and be able to set up homeless shelters and be able to help the veterans that are on the streets and be able to take care of the elderly and the infirmed and the mentally retarded and people who have psychological issues and people that are poor and people that are unemployed. People who need government help should not be going without. And one of the reasons they're going without is because the Republicans and the Democrats have completely friggin' sold us out. I say this a lot and I get... Hate mail from both sides. By the way, that's the hate mail I like to read. You can send me that hate mail. I'm okay with that. My Republican friends, oh, how can you say that? Oh, it's horrible. My liberal friends, you're just a fascist. No, I just want sanity. I want a sane immigration policy that says we've got a wall at the border. We should, we should be putting our National Guard at the border, not in D.C. We should be stopping the narco-terrorists from running guns and drugs and slaves across the border. We should be shutting it down. And then we should be streamlining a way for people to come here the right way. And we should be stop paying other, other countries. There's no need to be sending a billion dollars to Pakistan. Listen, if you really want to solve the problem in Afghanistan and Pakistan, it's very easy. But our elected officials won't do it because they've sold us out. You want to stop the heroin problem? Very simple. A, close the border. B, drop bombs on the poppy fields in Afghanistan. Problem solved. Problem solved. You start bombing the poppy fields in Afghanistan. You close the border. Anybody that comes here on a visa, when their visa expires, you send someone to their house, you put them on a plane, and you send them back. Remember, the guys who flew planes into buildings on 9-11 were here on extended visas, right? Now, I am not going to allow people to try and mischaracterize my position as I'm saying that all immigrants are bad. All immigrants are not bad. I'm for immigration. Or that all Latinos are bad because a lot of the immigrants who are coming here are Latinos. I'm not saying that either. Listen, if I had my way, you know what the Tom Duggan immigration plan would be? The Tom Duggan immigration plan would be if you're from a Latino country and you want to come here and you're female and you're between the ages of 18 and 34, come on down. We'll make you a citizen the minute you get here. Even if you've got kids, come on down. Guys, you've got to stay home. It just makes it easier for me. Ah. Right. That's the Tom Duggan immigration plan, right? Right. But absent that, what we really need to do is we need to have a sane immigration policy. The Democrats want an open border, and they want every illegal immigrant that can get here to come here, stay here, make them citizens, and let them vote, because the Democrats believe this will keep them in power forever. By the way, be careful what you ask for, because it may not work out that way if you go down that road. Latinos in general, especially, and I know a lot of my friends are Dominican and Puerto Rican, they're very um, socially conservative. They're against gay marriage. They're against abortion. They're for the death penalty. They're not for any of the liberal crazy things that the Democrat Party stands for. And eventually, they are going to gravitate toward, we saw in the last election, more Latinos voted for Donald Trump than any other Republican president that's ever run. It's starting to go the other way. So those of you who are Democrats that are selling out our country because you think it's going to give you power forever, be very careful what you ask for because you might get it, and it may not go the way that you want. The Republicans that have sold us out have sold us out for cheap labor. They've sold us out to the drug cartels. They've made deals with the drug cartels. So has Nancy Pelosi. So has Mitch McConnell. So has Bill Kristol. Republicans and Democrats alike have sold out this country to the drug cartels. They just have. So the Republicans want open borders because it's, it's cheap labor. Democrats want open borders because it, mean, it allows them to stay in power forever. And none of them are concerned with the average person on the street. None of them are concerned with their constituents. If they truly cared about this country, if they truly cared about you, 
then we wouldn't have there would be no such thing as a homeless veteran, right? When 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 TMF or or Carrie or at House of Mercy or any of the people that do homeless outreach come across a homeless veteran on the street, it's it's jarring that someone went off and fought for this country and now they're on the streets. That should never happen. As far as I'm concerned, if you serve this country, you should never have to pay taxes again. That's that would be the Tom Duggan plan. But then when you consider that they're on the streets and we and it's not because it's not for lack of resources. It's because we're not spending the resources the way that it needs to go. And shame on Elizabeth Warren and shame on Ed Markey and shame on the entire Democrat Party in Massachusetts who campaign on the backs of the poor and campaign on the backs of the homeless and the downtrodden and the minorities and then get into office and do nothing until the next election year. Then right around election time, they give a grant to somebody, they do a ribbon cutting and say, see, I care. And then they whisk into Lawrence again at election time um, Elizabeth Warren did it when she ran for president. She whisked into Lawrence to declare for president with all those white people behind her that she imported from Andover and North Andover. <laughs> I taped it and I actually looked afterwards to see who the people were because I knew a lot of them. And I'm like, oh, I know her. She's from Andover. She's from Tuxbury. She's from Lowell. She's from North Andover. She's from Methuen. She's from Boston. Uh, very few people from Lawrence standing behind her and very few dark faces behind her at that event. Interesting. But, you know, she flew in to the Lawrence Airport, I believe, drove down Sutton Street to Merrimack Street, went South Union Street, over to Union Street, gave her speech, got back in her car, drove Union back over the bridge to South Union, went Merrimack Street back to Sutton Street, and got back on the plane and left. That's the route where all the homeless people hold their signs. Union Street, Merrimack Street, South Union Street. Do you think she stopped and gave anybody a sandwich? I bet she didn't. I'm pretty sure she didn't do that. I asked all the homeless people like that week, like, uh, did you see like Elizabeth Warren when she was here? They're like, who? Who's Elizabeth Warren? We have no idea who that is, right? So shame on all the Democrats in Massachusetts who campaigned in the backs of the poor. And by the way, most of your city council, all of your school committee, and your mayor are Democrats, Right? Every time they run, they say they care about the poor. Every time they run, they talk about how they're going to help the downtrodden, how they're going to help um, the, 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 the people of Lawrence, and then they never do. So the only thing that you can do as an average person is email your state reps, email your state senators, and tell them, we need a long-term solution here. We, it's great that the state gave a grant to the Days Inn in Methuen to help homeless people be in a heated place where they can take a shower in the middle of winter, right? Because a couple of nights ago, it was really cold out. Maybe three or four nights ago, it was really cold out. It's freezing. Um, in my office, I sleep in the office sometimes because I just fall asleep at my desk. I have the window open because um, I smoke. I don't want to smoke out the whole office, so I usually have the window open. I had to get up and close the window. I was so cold. And then as I'm closing the window, I'm thinking, well, I hate to be on the streets tonight. Those, those poor people who didn't make it to the hotel or got thrown out of the hotel or there just wasn't enough room for them, boy, I'd really hate to be them tonight. Well, are we over? Really? All right. Um, so it seems like our elected officials have their priorities wrong, and the only way that they're going to get their priorities back on track is if they hear from enough people uh, in the Merrimack Valley, especially if those of you who are listening, to email your elected officials. And by the way, email your city councils in Lawrence and Methuen, too, and tell them what you think. You might be one of those people who live on Pelham Street that are just sick of the shit. Maybe you're just sick and tired of seeing these people walking around your neighborhood causing trouble or potentially causing trouble, right? Maybe they haven't caused any trouble, but you see them walking around looking in car doors. You know that they, that, that, that they might be up to no good. Let's see if we can find a way to solve this problem without throwing the baby out with the bathwater. And I think, um, again, hats off to Mayor Perry, Mike Samad, DJ Beauregard, uh, who else spoke at that meeting? Uh, Jessica Finicaro, who has her own committee to help uh, those who are addicted, um, and, the, and the other city councils that are not looking to shut this down. The easy thing to do would be to shut it down, like Lawrence did. And it would be nice if maybe they could get a multi-community board together. Someone from the Lawrence City Council, the North Andover Board of Selectmen, the... Methuen City Council, the, the end of a board of selectmen, get people together, meet with Carrie, meet with uh, Karina Papalato, meet with the homeless advocates, 
And let's see if we can find a way to, to, to close the gap so that, A, as a community, we can help people that need the help, but B, we're doing it without hurting the quality of life for the people that live in those neighborhoods. Uh, I want to thank our sponsors. Hopefully you, you, you zoomed out a couple of times to show the, uh, the sponsors during the show. I wasn't paying attention, but I know you're good at that. Um, we got them covered. We, I want to thank uh, – you can roll it up too. I want to thank uh, McLennan Real Estate. We love Sam and Janet and Matt. Always don't want to forget Matt. Uh, at uh, McLennan Real Estate Century 21. AFC Urgent Care. We're going to have Lisa Williams back here shortly. Marsan and Son Construction. This is the time. It's starting to get um, it's starting to get a little uh, nicer outside, so you might want to uh, give Marsan and Son a call if you want um, if you want to uh, put on a new roof. You want to put uh, do some renovations at your home. That's the place to go. Borelli's Deli. We love Borelli's Deli. And a free shout out uh, today to Miller's Tavern. I'm going out with um, I'm going out with Jesus Girl today Ooh. to Miller's Tavern after the show. So I'll be there. Pirelli's nice. um, Deli. Do we get everybody else? Also, a free shout to Horizon Home Care. They're doing great work in the community. I want to thank Dave Garafalo here at uh, Two Guys Smoke Shop, Studio Twenty One Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, who still hasn't canceled me. I'm I'm shocked, but they still haven't. And of course, Chrissy, my fine fine producer from Australia. Thank you so much. With, with her pink hair, it's kind of turning me on. I kind of like that. <laughs> Sounds like Melvin Taylor says we got to go home. He's telling us to get out. So go home already. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.